Oh shit, welcome back. My goodness, this is episode one. Season two. Of season two. Cocktails and questions. Cheers. 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 My goodness, we took a little bit of a planned hiatus. We had summers and trips and works and all sorts of stuff, so we decided to put pencils down, microphones down, um, and just cruise through summer. But we're back. Um, we were just laughing about that. We spend more time trying to decorate the studio and get the audio quality <laughs> right and not really focus on the content, so we'll try to fix that in season two. Um, Speaking of summertime, man, it's supposed to be good times, easy, breezy. You guys got any highlights? Mr. Ben, James Lanyon? Ben, what was our ben highlight? Dallas? We did a highlight together. Yeah, we did. We did. That sounds funny. We went to the yeah. south of France. We did. Just the two of us. The two of us. Just a little romantic getaway in uh, south of France. Yeah. We, uh, <laughs> we went to the Cannes Film Festival. That's how you say it, by the way. It's yeah, not Cannes. It's not Cannes? It's not Cannes. It's Cannes. I never thought it was Cannes. makes fun of me because they say I'm this Texas guy who doesn't know how to say it. We're, I looked it up on the internet. So, oh, well, yeah. Nothing's so, wrong is on the internet. It's, it feels like Cannes. Like when we were there, but not like the wrath of Khan. Like like James Khan. Khan. So we went there. We spoke. Um, at least like six people came to our presentation. Yes. It was so you know it was it was worth it. It was productive. Yeah. I credit that mostly because right across from us was the Facebook Oculus demo, <laughs> and so uh, <laughs> I figured we just kind of got a little bit of their their uh, runoff. Yeah. Yeah. What about you, man? What did you do? It, uh, similar to you guys, so my summer sucked. It was, it was just one of those summers, man. Just Grid and Barrett, it's all good. Um, it's but hot. I, but I had a speaking thing, much like you guys recently, that was a little bit of a, a bent on a dream come true. So I grew up always wanting to play on uh, ACL stage, playing music, performing. Turns out I'm a terrible musician, and <laughs> I'm not very good at the music business. Uh, but some retailers were nice enough to ask me to come and talk to them about the future of retail. Uh, technology, marketing, design, uh, mid-market retailers in the mm-hmm. age of Amazon. So I'm going to go ahead and say that I've performed on the ACL movie stage. So that's awesome. That was definitely Are you guys going to the festival tonight? Yeah. Yeah. Both week. Oh, that's that's newsworthy. Yeah. In awesome our hometown. City Limits. ACL. Tonight. And tonight next, starts. Yeah. And next weekend. I was there at the very first one. Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney, Metallica, Lil Wayne. Uh, little baby artists. Yep. Childish Gambino canceled. He did. A lot of people are not very happy. Um his first name is Childish. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, then you can there Last you go. Gambino. Probably, yeah, exactly. Uh, I was actually at the very first ACL. Yeah. Completely on accident. Went down there. I've been here for almost 20 years. Uh, wandering by this chain link fence. Asked the security card, what is this? He said, it's a music festival. <clears throat> it's two days. I said, who's playing? He said, Ben Harper and Jack Johnson. I said, all right, I'll take some tickets. And he said, 36 bucks. Security guards sold tickets? And it's actually, yeah. well, you know, just go with me on the store. Hey, something's never changed. Welcome back to Cocktails and Questions. Sure, yeah, it like a scalper. Um, uh, but oddly enough, and in, in fitting nicely into our world, that was one of the first text messages I ever sent. I had a Sprint flip phone because cell service didn't work. And email wasn't really that popular. And I, I remember sending a text and people writing back, who is this? Where are you? And that was it. First ACL ever. It's and that's where it started. My best ACL story was, I think it was that same one, and it was before they realized that it was hot as shit in August, so they used to throw it in August. That's correct. And so um, I uh, I had one beer, um, I swear, it was just one beer. $18. When, yeah. Went into a porta potty and it was 197 oh degrees God. in a porta potty and I, and I remember <laughs> thinking, I'm going to pass out and die 
in this porta potty, this is it. and this yeah. is going to be the saddest end to a human this life. Is, I had a lot of potential. This is how our hero and died, I, and I swore I would never go back until they moved it. So uh, luckily, they they listened to me, and and now it's at a much better spot. So we'll see. We digress. Yes, what are we talking about we today? Uh, that, well, real quick, highlight can con. Uh, just con, con, going can. and actually, you know what? Getting sleep the night before our presentation, which I actually didn't think was going to happen. It was kind of a wild time. So it was my moment of pride is getting a good night rest in the south of France when everybody else was out. It's a hard knock life for some of us. Yes. Um, so those are the highlights. And there, there's a low light that happened today and got me thinking about the, the, the season of technology and despair and doom. And I think earlier this week, the presidential alert system went out, which I, I think is a groundbreaking thing in an episode in and of itself that, that doesn't you can have a whole episode without even touching political lines um in in an office full of people where it all went off at do you think trump actually sent that out that would be pretty hilarious right he's just got a button now and he's like twitter's not enough and now he's you can just blow up your phone at any time that you that you can't unsubscribe yeah, you from. can't unsubscribe you can't turn it off <laughs> it, it's like no 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 call block crazy ex-boyfriend and like your restraining order doesn't matter you we're all old enough to remember the um Genesis video with the Reagan mask. Yeah. Right? Instead of like the nuke button, it's just a presidential alert button. It's just Trump <laughs> smashing it. It's like, what do you have to say? I'm hungry. <laughs> um, so that was, that was pretty scary and frightening just on its face, like I said, regardless of um, political alignment. But being in an office where it went off, everyone, there, was a, there was a collective groan, audible groan. Mm-hmm. And it was just like, Ugh, here we go. Um, so that was interesting. We're also in election season. Um, especially in the state of Texas, it's full swing. If you're in Austin, Texas right now, like you, no escaping it, it's crazy. which is terrifying in its own right. You get into um, election hacking and um, the lack of security and voting booths, all that stuff. And then something came across uh, our computers, what was it, yesterday, the 4th maybe? It's supposed to stay. All right, yesterday, I was right. It's been a long week. <laughs> uh, Bloomberg, right? And the, the headline is The Big Hack, How China Used Tiny Chip to Infiltrate used a tiny chip to infiltrate U.S. companies, which is terrifying. It's not surprising. Horrifying. To be perfectly honest with you. It's one of those things where it's like, are you surprised that they're doing that? But yeah. when you talk about infrastructure, which Trump does and a lot of people do, and the, the, the decaying infrastructure, you get into roadways, waterways, and supplies and things like that, but you don't often think about supply chain, right, and the, the rapid expansion and the need for third-party services, whether it be security or chip manufacturers. Well, and I think the reason you don't think about supply chain is because it's hard. <laughs> Right? Like the whole idea is like it's a lot easier just to look for a, a vulnerability in some Windows.NET system that needs to be patched and infiltrate and just sit quietly and aggregate data. That's the path of least resistance. But what was really, truly horrifying about this article was how long it had been going on and the degree to which it had spread um, and the boldness of the attack. So for anybody who hasn't read the article, I would encourage you to go read it. Um, it was, starts back in 2015. And Amazon was thinking about doing business with this company called Elemental Technologies. But before getting in bed, they decided to send off some of their gear to a third-party security company to kind of rip apart and take a look at. And lo and behold, they found this little tiny transistor inside the, the motherboard that didn't belong, had no discernible function at all whatsoever. So when they started looking at what it did, it turned out it was just this free rider in the system that had been put in all the servers that were being sent out to the federal government, to the U.S. Army, to financial services firms, to Apple. It was just sitting there quietly, passively generating data and sending it back. Um, And the thing that was really crazy about it is they forensically uh, 
tracked back to a company in the manufacturing process where the People's Liberation Army of China had gotten involved and managed to sneak the chip into the design into the manufacturing. So really fucking bold, like and really horrifying because now you got to kind of start tearing everything apart and yeah, looking to see everything. What, what's interesting is so I definitely want your commentary on, but when he was talking about it, I, was, I kept thinking about the person who found it. Right, so the images, like the, the the amount of the size of this thing that's been sitting there, the the mentality of the person or the processes to actually find this speck of a thing. One, I want to kind of meet that person, and two, it makes me wonder if they are tipped off somehow because how like it seems like something that could go on unnoticed almost forever. Well, and it's one of those things where, in hindsight, you would think, why wouldn't this be happening all the time? But but who would be bold enough to plant a chip in the infrastructure that powers almost every device out there? So that's the thing to me that's that's crazy, is that you just it's almost too big to think of. But those are the types of attacks that are going to have just, there will be one like that that just changes the world. And this could be something like that, right? Where, I mean, imagine your TV, every electronic you have, I think they say you have 20 to 30 Wi-Fi connected devices in your home at one time, not to mention all the other electronics that could be streaming data. That's just personally, think about what's happening inside business, inside uh, governmental agencies. It's kind of wild. <clears throat> well, it's really interesting too, because if you look at the, the complexity, not the technical nature, but the complex nature of the world we live in now, there's just in a way, almost too much to pay attention to, right? And you think about, we would say, well, why would they do something so bold? It's all like risk reward, right? Sure, you get caught, it sucks. But those servers are in the DOD data centers. They said it was the CIA drone operations run these through these servers. The Naval War Network, like these things are everywhere. And what are you going to do? Right, like you're going to take it all down? Are you just going to get offline? No, you can't. Well, that's, I mean, a whole other podcast, but... <laughs> think about the geopolitical like, so what do you do what do you do you go to war over something like that no you don't no. because you know that kind of stuff is happening That's just right. the same way I know that we're probably trying to plot the exact same thing do you remember uh, Stuxnet against, yeah yes. the Iranian yeah. nuclear yeah. site meltdown it yeah. all, all went through windows yeah. Oh, yeah. and there was more importantly a, do you remember war games uh, the, yeah. one of the greatest <laughs> math yeah. 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 like so, uh, we'll, we'll post an IMDB yeah, link to that we're one talking about sure. things that define culture and policy that's how I define all policies by what happened in war games. There we go. Yeah. So <laughs> it's a documentary of the future. It, it is. Pretty much. Yeah. <laughs> but but they, to, to their credit, they that? haven't tried to remake that movie. Of all the movies yeah. from my childhood, which yeah. again gets into the age guessing game, that have been remade, War Games has not. And you know why? Because no, of Red Dawn. Because it's fucking time. Because they did Red Dawn. They, and re so and they saw what happened with Red yeah. Dawn yeah. and no, Overboard. We, just, we can't do it. Yeah. These Sorry. are all movies I grew up on. Yes. Fantastic. All right. So that's, that's scary and something that we're not going to solve. But. Wait, what do you do about it? Answers not in cocktails and questions, season two, episode one. I can almost guarantee that. Um, no. So that's that frightening, right? It's definitely obvious and scary, and everyone kind of went, mm, makes sense. Next. What do you got, man? You know, when we started talking about this, I started thinking about a couple of things. One, what have I seen that's kind of stopped me in my tracks? Because in reality, yep. we spent a lot of time looking at stuff, and I think of us as, if not savvy, a little bit cynical, right? It's kind of hard to, to shake us up. Um, and then on top of it, like, what, what was there a good news article out there as well? So I, um, the one that I kept coming back to over and over again, um, even though I really wanted to say the, the story about Snapchat going to below $8 was the one I was really interested in. I wasn't really all that surprised. Man, but that touches back, right? Sorry, real quick. Go ahead. But like, we have this debate often, right? Are you building a feature or are you building a platform? 
and they tried to jump they, they tried to build a platform off of a bunch of features and if i'm pretty sure in the catacombs of cocktails and questions we went down this road and snapchat was absolutely going to lose i think we talked about the snap spectacles or oh, okay. whatever they're called in the same debate and and so you're instagram looking at, stories is now just there's double the Instagram stories that there are users on Snapchat. I mean, it is, it, it's a, it's a mega beast. And if you look like, uh, under obvious headlines, uh, China spies on us. Number one, Snapchat's tanking at number two. <laughs> there we go. <laughs> no shit. But that wasn't really what scared me. I gotta be honest with it. It's almost like a relief to see it happen. Um, now the one that, that actually kind of stopped me in my tracks is, uh, the following headline. Tesla is down 7% thanks to Elon Musk's tweets. He's all but wiped out the gains Tesla got for settling with the SEC. So you guys followed this? Not yeah, no sooner had he signed the document. A, uh, I don't know if he verisigned it or if he like literally took a pen and signed the settlement document. Can you give a recap of what you're talking so about? So for, for those of you who um, haven't been out of a cave in, in the last month, um, uh, God, I think about six weeks ago, uh, Elon Musk started tweeting out um, the idea of Tesla going private, at four, which anybody who has share. any experience with publicly traded companies was just fucking horrified at the potential ramifications of that tweet. And he started doing a public valuation estimation of 420 per share. $420 a share, which is... Also, like stupid. It was a high school amount of money. Like, but it's also high school slang for marijuana. So something like that. So it's like, are you, how serious do you take somebody? And there was know. rumors he was doing it to impress his girlfriend or whatever it is. And then he tried to say, no, I'm in talks with the Saudis about maybe taking it private. And so the SEC stepped in because the stock started taking this wild ride. And it's all fun and games, I think, when you're maybe the president. In reality, you have this whole like stable of nursemaids taking care of you and making sure your mistakes don't end up ending the world, but the, he doesn't have any safeguards and all those investors were taking a ride and the SEC investigated him for stock manipulation. And he finally um, settled saying he'll step down as chairman. And I think there was some sort of 40, $40 million. Yeah. There was a, there's a penalty. So no sooner had he done that, he gets back on Twitter and I'm trying to look it up to make sure I have the um, exact uh, tweet here, but he referred to them as the short list, short seller, short seller enrichment commission. Which That's I, right. I appreciate it. Right. Right. Oh, that was quite funny. I um. I, so he 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 said thank you for doing your job. And you know I got to be honest with you, there is some truth. This is the worst part on, of the man. age that we wrong. live in right now. There is truth in what he said, but that truth shouldn't like glaze over the fact that he's literally taken everybody on his own little personal journey and he has no, he lacks compunction. The guy like, and the worst part is the reason it kind of horrified me. I started thinking about it. If I'm a shareholder or an executive or heaven forbid, one of those poor fuckers that's enslaving away on that manufacturing line. Cause you know how he like brings his desk yep. to the part of the manufacturing line that's not working. And I've been like not seeing my family and all that stuff. And all I want is for the car to roll off the line and people to drive it and say, thank you. This is what the company's about now. It's his test. It's Elon Musk's own personal drama. And and he just, I think that dudes, I, I read his book and he's like, do you think I'm crazy? That's the first yep. line of the first page. I'm like, yes, I do. Yeah, I, I finally think you're there. I, I, I think you're crazy. And I think you got your hands wrapped around a lot of people's capital. And it's kind of frightening for me. Well, and there was a, just the, what he said in the tweet was hilarious. I think, um, I don't know how it got past any of his lawyers and legal, actually I do because he didn't check on it because there was also a missing word in there. Like it didn't yep. actually make grammatical sense because right. no one checks it. And at this point in time, to not have someone check it, that means either you're the president of the United States or you're Elon Musk. Like everybody else 
that we know is running every single tweet through some sort of filter, maybe not Roseanne, but everybody else is doing that because of the ramifications coming off of an SEC investigation. You would think, you would think, what do you think the PR person did? Like, I just, I got to imagine there's this guy just running around like, freaking are out. you fucking kidding me? He just, did, we just signed it. We just signed Literally, it. like, no sooner, right? <laughs> and the worst part is there's a huge typo in it. It yeah. says, just want to that the short seller commission is doing incredible work, and the name change is so on point. You're like, really? Yeah. You couldn't, you couldn't even, even get, get that right. right. Yeah. Just drove me nuts. I don't know. I, th- I think the counter argument to that is transparency and authenticity, right? Yeah. Like, we, we, we live in an age that you, you, we don't need to talk about what age we live in. We all we all know we do, and there there's something refreshing, honestly, right? So I was on a, a flight going to Atlanta, and I was talking about artificial intelligence and enterprise level chatbots and all this shit. On a flight? I was on a flight to go talk. Okay, about it. I was gonna say that's what you just talked about yeah. to the person next to you. He probably honestly, he got the tickets yeah. for the flight from the security <laughs> I mean, guard. I mean, don't get it twisted. It's why we started cocktails and questions, drinking and talking. That's right. my favorite thing to do. Uh, second favorite thing to do. Um, but in the magazine, they had these local. Um, they had the, some politician from Georgia and some politician from North Carolina. And I was like, oh, let's see what a Q&A with some politicians on a printed magazine on a flight looks like. And it was the most cookie cutter bullshit to the point to where both of their favorite movies were The Sound of Music. <laughs> and I was like, oh, God. So in an age where we live like that, I mean, he, it's kind of refreshing, especially because he paid him $20 million. He stepped out of the way. He signed a thing. With, so to that end, yeah, I get it. talk some shit, man. Get after yeah, it. Do your but, thing. But he also reminds me of, um, there's this great podcast that really reminds me of uh, Elon Musk and Tesla Motors. So the, the uh, founder of General Motors, do you guys know who this is? The founder? the founder? The founder of General it was, uh, Motors. It was Tom General and Chad Motors, I think. <laughs> <laughs> they actually two founders. He was a it was General Motors. He was a, <laughs> he's a, yeah, just he retired is, from yeah, the U.S. It's, Army. Uh, it's uh, uh, William Durant. Okay. And Kevin Durant's dad. What's that? Kevin Durant's yeah, dad. Yeah. KD's old yeah. man. They look different, but yeah. maybe. Mm-hmm. You never know. Uh, but essentially, William Durant died uh, broke and alone and completely disambiguated from General Motors, and who came in was Alfred P. Sloan, who we all From know. the Alfred P. Sloan Foundation I hear about on NPR. And school and all this stuff, right? Sl- and yes. what he was was a ball bearings manufacturer that got acquired by General Motors. He came in with a totally different lens and was like, look, this Durant guy, he's done great, but we're gonna, this thing's going to go into the ground if we don't fix it. Here's my ideas on fixing it. Essentially, long story short, they put Alfred P. Sloan in, and he ran the company oh. as chairman and CEO, right? And I think I ran to James one day in the hall, and I was like, Tesla needs an Alfred P. Sloan moment. Yeah, like, I think you're right. Like, he, he's done his job. Like you, There's nobody like Elon Musk. We didn't talk shit about him. We didn't talk about his model girlfriends. We talked talk about his exits and his crazy tweets. But the reality is the world needed him. I, in my honest opinion, right? You look at the response of what he's done. Like one of my favorites is Porsche comes in. They're like, "That's cute. You make you you make cars, huh? We make cars forever. Yep. And we're Germans, so here's our electric vehicle. Kiss my ass, right? Like, but we needed him, and I think maybe his job's done. Yeah. And 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 now hopefully somebody will come in as a, like an alpha. The question is, will he get off thing. the stage? Right, like that. That's that's like absolutely not. Right, like this whole thing, like Frankenstein, no. like going through the village, and you're just yeah. like, "Hey, man, I just needed that to like load some shit, <laughs> and now it's tearing everything up." Well, that's yeah. like a show time at the so. Apollo. He's gonna get hooked off the stage. That, he's gonna. Ha- I mean, it's gonna have to be some sort of jail. It, it's or gonna something. be a Rose- <laughs> yeah. It's gonna be a Roseanne Barr moment. It is. Man, I mean, where well, the world's gonna go? He's taking. Qu- he's taking a lot of Ambien. He's not yes. sleeping a lot. He's apparently got 
his own Twitter account that nobody is. You checking. know, and he's just going to start it's another one a, too. That's yeah. the thing, because you can be it's Jack Dorsey and like a friend of Elon's, and yeah. you're like, Elon, I'm doing this for your own good. I, yeah. I shut you down, right? Like Alex right. Jones, like was doing less damage than you, and <laughs> I'm shutting you down. He's like, that's fine. I'm going to start on another. Yeah. And Low Musk. We're gonna, yeah. <laughs> we're gonna do Leon Musk. Leon Musk. Yeah. Leon Musk. <laughs> <laughs> that's an indie band, yeah. I think. They're from <laughs> Austin, actually. Uh, so that that was on. that was no. pretty that was pretty scary. I saw something else kind of scary this week, um, and uh, you know, good. There's good parts and bad parts of this story. So, did you guys see that um, there was a, a sad deal? Ninety year old guy killed his stepdaughter, who was 63. Um, they were trying to figure out what happened. Uh, they didn't know that this guy had actually killed her. He was 90. 90. Yeah, I mean, that, that, that part of the story is worth a whole separate conversation. But I wonder how many. 90-year-olds commit murder. I'm probably I sure it's six. on the internet. Yeah. There's we'll Google that. There's the kicker. But, more but, than you think. Yeah, exactly. I mean, what are you going to do? Put me in jail? I don't have a lot of time left. Oof. No, so the this uh this poor woman is killed. Um they don't know what happens. They start interviewing this guy about where he was and what happened. Um he tells them the story, puts this timeline forward. Well, she was wearing a Fitbit. And so they actually go in and they start to hack through the Fitbit data and they start to see that when he said he went over and gave her a pizza at that exact same time, her heartbeat immediately spiked up and then stopped. Damn. And, yep. uh, and then it didn't move again until the coroner came back. So they're able to put this thing together and show that it was actually the she time of death. She died when he was there, um, which is I mean, great that they caught this guy, right? And there's, um, you know, there's there's another case uh, where they were subpoenaing uh, Alexa, um, right. you know, the the actual commands that have been given to Alexa. Hold on, hold on. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> she always does that. Alexa, stop it. Yeah, sorry about that for the for those at home. Uh, the <laughs> Alexa just woke up. <laughs> Anyway, so she was listening, but uh, the authorities... she always is. She is. The authorities went through and uh, subpoenaed some of the Amazon data, uh, and I think actually that case got dropped. Um, but what's, what's scary is that now all of this information is readily available, and sometimes that's a really good thing. Sometimes it might be a bad thing. I read this story that I hadn't caught. There's a guy um, who was in Middletown, Ohio. Um, he said that God's his country. house caught on fire and they actually subpoenaed his pacemaker um, data and his cardiologist showed he said that he picked up all of his stuff when the flames caught on when his house caught on fire carried it out and they were able to prove that his heart rate didn't go up so there's no way that this uh. guy could have carried all this stuff out he actually got charged with arson and I think he's in jail because uh. of that so if you can if you can Look at your pacemaker. Think about your Apple Watch, your Fitbit. What's next? What do you guys think? Good your thing, snap bad thing. Like what? <clears throat> I was I was thinking while you're talking. Like we we have to get we should get a legal expert in here to explain the differences because the hypothesis is the only reason why the Middletown, Ohio, beautiful vistas, Middletown, Ohio, God's country, really um, got, got their the records was because they went after an individual. They didn't go after an organization. So if you want the Echo or Alexa recordings to be handed over, you're you're asking for a corporation's participation, right? So to which they're going to say no every time. Yeah. If you listen to some, Fitbit didn't know. 
Fitbit what, cooperated, which is strange. But what what I want to know is is uh, I mean I, I can. What, is there a technical difference between audio recording, visual recording, and biometrics recordings, right? And because I don't I don't know, but I'm assuming that um, Alexa could have handed over, Amazon could have handed it over, but that means that I have to. I'm, I'm announcing to the world that I'm recording all the time, which we know as yep. technologists, and we just saw it right now. Right now, yeah. always listening in, in facial recording. So, I, you know, and then you get into um, r- real uh, interesting things like uh, Golden State Killer stuff, right? Mm-hmm. Like, what is the line when it goes to intelligence? And I think last time we talked about it, um, I was extremely scared by the Golden State Killer stuff. So, uh, really quickly. Uh, a relative of the Golden State Killer submitted his DNA to like Ancestry.com or something like that. It hit a database, and it was not bioidentical, but it was close enough to know that this person was related to the killer. Ultimately, found this person uh, who they thought was dead or would never be caught, and they're in jail. Um, and I that scared me. But the Alexa thing, if if I were to be murdered or uh, somebody I love and care about to be murdered, open up those files, man. What you think, you think so? And that's where, that's where I'm a little bit torn because I would say absolutely. I mean, it's fantastic that they were able to catch this guy. Um, you know, the fact that they were able to kick, convict this guy of arson. But what about when it's used the other way? And Which it's, is the it's point. always, yep. it's always great until it's not great. So there's got to be some sort of, uh, standard or precedent set, and, and that's why, that's why I scared the shit out of me. I, I mean, I, I guess my opinion is that it, it's, um, it's never great. So when you have an opportunity to be great, be great. Right? So we all know you're listening. Most all the time. profound thing I've ever see, heard you say, and I don't even know what it's it like means. It's like a bumper sticker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> listening to you all the time, the complete um, dissolving of personal privacy has is, is happened a long time ago. So why pretend like it's not? And when you have a chance to apply it in a, in a, in a moment to be heroic and great, instead of just selling me ads, instead of just selling me predictive content, why wouldn't you help solve Do the pain of other great people? Yeah. Right. Make, make yourself useful. Yeah. Right. Like, That's it. Right. Stop enriching yourself. And oh, by the way, <laughs> play some Justin Timberlake, Alexa, <laughs> which is the only thing that Alexa is used for at my house. My daughter says, Oh, yeah? Eto, play Tant Top to Feeling <laughs> by Justin Timberlake. And it now understands it. her. And so we have a dance party about six times That's every great. morning. Yeah. It's every day. You guys should come over. It's pretty cool. So I'm going to have another little dance party for you. I did a little bit of homework while you and Brandon were going back and forth. And to answer your question about how many murderers in the United States are about age 90. <laughs> so this is extrapolated, but about 5% of the U.S. population, according to the Center for Disease Control, is 90 or above. And according to Statista through a third party, the number of murderers in 2017 uh, who are 75 plus was 92. As a result, if you go and just proportionally match those up, you can say about six, five or six. We nailed it. That's what you said. So you, there you go. I mean, you're pretty See? fucking close. And wow. I didn't even have to Google it. Uh, just below koalas, they are the highest population, they being octogenarians and above for STDs in the United States. I, that's true. And, you know, that they actually had that whole... That whole uh, thing about um, herpes in rest homes and stuff like that because there's like no fear of pregnancy and they're like you know what they grew up in a generation where like I don't know yeah exactly it's funny because if you spend enough time with Ben Gaddis you can immediately read his face it's like enlightenment 
or complete disappointment. Whenever I bring up, <laughs> whenever I could, whenever I bring up STD in an oxygenarian population, it was ben, instant disappointment. Like, disappointment. Dude, <laughs> like this is season no, two. No, I just didn't know where you're going when you. You did jump from old STD herpes to Ben, ben Gaddis. I'm like, okay. Yeah. Not not just STDs, like old STDs. <laughs> like we went from old gonorrhea old. to Ben pretty fast. Speaking of antibiotic resistant infections, just kidding. All right, so. Um, just really quick to round out the the bad news bears club should we do that real quick yeah so we went in this headlines and and it's like man that's pretty scary you agree that's scary yeah that's pretty scary you're scary and we kind of went around the ran around the horn and my serious thing which is really interesting is not it is a technology because it's underpinned by technology but it's a really old sort of idea which is newspaper and print and you get into fake news and you get into um I mean, Jeff Bezos owns the gosh dang Washington Post. I mean, um, not to get too conspiracy theory, but uh, what was his name? Noam Chomsky said, "Don't you know? Don't beware political parties. Be beware the corporations that own the political parties." And it's terrifying. But there's this picture uh, back when Trump went down to Mexico to talk about uh, the wall. Essentially, he just went to Mexico, and so it's this picture, and we'll, we'll put up a clip of it, but. Uh, same exact newspaper, same exact date, sold in different areas in New York, depending on the level of political parties that were in that area, right? So what is the political makeup of the neighborhoods? And they're exact opposite. So Wall Street Journal, right? Wall Street Journal. On the left-hand side, you've got, an, you've got an ad for a loafer. It's bright green. And a picture of Trump, <clears throat> some a politician presuming the president, I don't, I don't actually understand, but it says, uh, Trump softens his tone. Paper on the right, exact paper, exact day, exact image, right below it, Trump talks tough on the wall. And that to me is like hyper terrifying. So when we, when we go through this stuff, when we talk about infrastructure and supply chain management and China spying, I mean, this is print journalism. And, and we live in this age where, you know, we, we kind of laugh around here about no more brand fuckery. Like you, you can't, like the, the masses are pretty smart. I mean, you can talk, go around and around about that, but you're going to get found out. Somebody's going to post this picture, right? Like, especially with commute cycles and all that stuff and bleeding of political lines. Like, it's That was more terrifying to me than it. So anything. why is that any more scary than what's happening on Facebook every single day? I think because of where it comes from. Two, two reasons, really. Where it comes from, the Wall Street Journal, right? This trusted advisor. You can, you can easily say, oh, YouTube, Facebook, they're cesspools. Twitter's a cesspool. Large population will trust the content and quality of journalism that's coming out of this institution. Yeah. And the second thing is that there's no discourse. So at least on Facebook, I can jump on, which I never would, James would when he's drunk because he's oh. 17. <laughs> and he's Nine like, years old. Actually, I'm mentally superior to you, and here's why. <laughs> that's exactly what <laughs> I say and what I sound like. It's, yeah, that's a spot-on impersonation <laughs> of me drinking. I'm nine years old and condescending to people. There's no invitation for discourse, right? It is, it's, it's a statement, fact, with, without a, a chance for rebuttal in the medium of which it's published, which I think is uh, pretty scary stuff. Yeah, I would agree. And just the fact that that, 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 I mean, WSJ is where I get most of my news in the morning. Like that's where I turn to because I've thought of it. It's definitely conservative leaning, but more pro business. I haven't thought of it as more, um, I haven't thought of it as, as taking two different sides and catering to uh, a certain political party. I've sort of thought of them as, having a point of view and just being right down the middle. The fact that they're actually doing that and doing that in print is, uh, it's a little bit eye-opening. I, I forget the historical event. We'll look it up and post it, but um, there's a famous news executive, and I forget, like I said, I forget the political event, but the, the takeaway is 
after some major thing, you might actually know this from historical point of view, comes in and says, uh, I've got good news and bad news. The good news is we just had uh, our highest ratings ever. The bad news is we just had our highest ratings ever. And people spot this historical event as the moment that um, the news went from telling you the news to being more of a clickbait, yep. eyeballs, entertainment sort of society. You know, it's really interesting. Um, I'm going to round back for just one sec. There's um, a post I subscribed to on Facebook called The Cleverest. And there was a quote, and I was like, where have I heard that name? Will Durant. And it was a quote that came up from Will Durant. And it said, one of the lessons of history is that nothing is often a good thing to do and always a clever thing to say. And when I look at it, there's a lot of wisdom in that. What you see today is the exact opposite. It's these media outlets going 24-7. They're trying to fill this vacuum. Now, I get that there's hyperbole, and I get that there's like playing fast and loose with facts sometimes in order to fill space and keep people engaged because there's a business. There's something altogether different when you're parsing the headlines like that and dumping it in the same source because it just shows a total antipathy for the viewer right like it's, it's like we know and we're, we'll just let you know like we're playing you and i really do think that whether it's the wall street journal or mother jones or fox news they're all kind of in the same game now so i i that that the fact that they're doing it in print i think is what stops me because it's usually you know like alternating headlines in digital and when you think about the fact that it takes all that, you know, it's kind of like the China hack, right? Like, wow, that takes a lot. A lot. You're, you're yeah. swapping out printing plates. That's exactly there's right. Just, <laughs> there's just a, right. I mean, it's there's not just like something delete about keys. slap you in yeah. the face that, that makes you do that. And the fact that you're doing it in the same city, it's not like they're looking at, you know, Mississippi and New York City differently. They're looking at actual neighborhoods and changing the headline. That 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 part is what kind of blows it out. So so that's yep. that's scary. Yep. We saw a couple scary things today this week, but uh, you guys see anything that was that was promising? I did a little uplift. Anything that. that gave you hope? I did actually. So we think a lot about um, uh, the ability to retell stories, to retell stories to capture future audiences, future whatever it might be. Um, you know, I think about it from a Disney cartoon level. And, and my thing is, if you if you truly want these things to live forever, right, the Cinderella's of the world and things like that, you need to retell them with modern aesthetics, modern pacing, modern music, and things like that, right? Because it will die. So if you hold up, you know, Shrek or Tangled to the classic Cinderella, classic Cinderella's a snooze fest, right? So I'm waiting for them to do things like that, and I heard that some of the stuff's in the works, but... You know, much like James believes in science, if you remember. I do. One. You remember that? We all believe I in science. I was nine years old drinking, and I made that proclamation. <laughs> we all believe in science. Uh, I also believe a lot in art and creative expression and the classics that got us here. Um, and read this article about how in Paris they opened up their first digital museum. And it was Gustav Klimt was their um, first showca showcase artist. We'll post a link to the to the article or a couple of them in, in the notes. But... It was awesome because what it did is it took classics and it told them in a in a new way to generate a new audience. And I think that was my Java themed uh, text and, message. And so, sorry. so they took uh, Gustav. Shut up. They took Gustav. How old is James? They took uh, Gustav Klimt paintings and they they you know digital displays, um, thirty two foot wall canvases, um, entire experiential. Um, museum powered by digital but through the art of a classical artist which is like or class whatever art school nerds can come at me for what gustav klimt is that was amazing and the other thing that i think it hit on was uh 
being an undergrad and having a Gustav Klimt poster hanging on my wall, right? Like it hit on like a lot of emotional levels um, that I got excited about, man, because like it's just a retelling of it and it, it, in a way that it will allow it to live for much longer than just hanging on a wall. You know, I was, in, I was in a museum recently in Houston and I turned the corner and Water Lilies by Monet was just hanging there. And I was like, oh, fuck. Like I forgot about that, right? And it's just more accessible. And anytime you can take things and make them more accessible, give people more control, retell the stories and all that stuff, I get very excited. That That's beautiful. I actually saw that. That was gorgeous. And and for anybody who hasn't seen it, um, I really encourage you to go look because it's it's actually sort of a visual marvel. Mine's uh, equally helpful, but sort of on the opposite end of the beauty spectrum. I was on TechCrunch this week, and um, a guy named John Biggs wrote an article called Watch This Tiny Robot Crawl Through a Wet Stomach. Uh, which is the exact opposite of what... Not clickbaity at all. Right. No, it, not at all. Is there a um, dry stomach? Yeah, exactly. But that's a good point. I, you know, I think that was that was another salacious headline. Maybe there's an alternate version that says, watch this tiny robot slog through a dry tummy or something like that, <laughs> just to get the other half of the audience. Um, but what was really amazing to me, I love robotics. Um, I wish I knew how to do it, but I actually am a big fan of the field. And when I think about it, I've come to spent a lot of time thinking about the polarity of medical treatment. Doctors are only as good as their ability to diagnose you, and they have one of two ways, which is looking at you, asking you questions, or maybe like pushing on you, or wheeling you down the hallway for a very, very expensive set of MRIs or whatever it might be. And there's been this middle ground that's missing for the longest time, and what this field's talking about is the ability to go and potentially ingest some sort of device that will be present inside you and can actually go and do a very inexpensive and painless diagnosis and ultimately be biodegradable so it just bleeds away into your system. Um, and so I, I encourage everybody to go take a look, even though it's kind of horrifying for anybody who's not into this topic. Um, it's from the Hong Kong University, uh, City Hong Kong, actually City University of Hong Kong. And it's on TechCrunch, it's also on YouTube, and it is kind of stellar and amazing to contemplate. Pretty awesome. That made me hopeful this week, I don't know about you guys. <laughs> Well, mine is, uh, so you believe in art, James, you believe in science, I believe in college football, and so there is a six foot two, 350 <laughs> pound quarterback in Gary, Indiana, this guy's name is Joshua Johnson, and he is a run pass option quarterback, and if you have never seen a 350 pound man run the Wildcat, it's epic. Just go Google it. We'll put it in the show notes. Calumet High, right? Just, yeah, just, just watching this guy run over people is amazing, and it gives me a lot of hope for what's coming. Uh, I mean, you talk about, like, uh, brain injuries and all that stuff. Yep. Like, this guy's causing them. He's the one handing he's, them out, yeah, right? He's yeah, he's handing them out. It's, uh, it's, ki- it's kind of scary, but it's worth a watch, so go check that out. That made my week. You know, it was actually really crazy when you mentioned this to me. I um, Back when I used to play uh, video games, NCAA football, I actually, like, you can do a character generator, and I used to do a guy that was kind of like this. He was, like, seven feet tall, weighed 290 pounds, had a 4240, and would just, like, tear it on the field. That's, the best exact, part that's who that, I thought about. The best part of that comment is when you said, you know, back when I used to play, and then I thought you were going to say football. No. And I was like, <laughs> okay. And then you said video games, <laughs> which was yesterday. And that just sort of summed up in, this in, room. In, in, until a, until a, an injury th- threw me out. I don't play anymore. I yeah, threw exactly. out my wrist. Now I don't play video games I don't play anymore. anymore. <laughs> trigger fingers. <laughs> Got tendonitis on my trigger finger. 
All right. Um, this was amazing, man. So glad to be back. So grateful to be back. Glad to be back. Into yeah. the Garden Grove with you guys. Cocktails and Questions, Season 2, Thank you, Episode Austin. 1. Yeah, shout Austin. out to Austin. Yeah. I don't think he got enough love last year. Whatever. He gets all the love. No, man. Yeah. You should see him in the club. <laughs> all right. For my boy Austin, Ben, James, this is Brandon Gredler. Thank you for tuning in. Talk to you real soon. Bye. Bye.